Hello and welcome, and thank you again for joining us. Uh, this is a, a little bit of a recording here for this segment, and um, stick around the second hour. I actually think it's one of the best podcasts we've done, um, telling stories, and uh, I think you're going to like it. In fact, I know you're going to like it. If you're listening to this show, then you typically like what we talk about. This is off the charts, so stick around to the second hour. But I want to wrap this up in a different, uh, you know, different way, if you will. There's a couple questions that have come up this past week, and it really got us thinking. Again, kind of like the stories uh, in the second hour, it just gets us thinking. And and one of the things that that we hear, and we're working with young advisors getting started, and 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 and, and how do you teach people to think? I mean, it's just, it's ridiculously hard to get people to think. You say, well, no, they go to college and they think. No, they don't. They, 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 they learn how to take tests. They learn how to, what they're taught in a book, but they don't actually learn to question it. For example, um, if you are taught to have a portfolio and that portfolio goes up in value, so what you do then is you take the profits of that and put it in a money market account. That's what you're taught. But what happens when you go to a zero interest rate environment? Does that work? Is there other things that might work better? Yeah. But we're taught this. And then so the thing is you have to ask those questions. And so we're asked an awful lot. I'm asked all the time. I say, well, you don't do it the same way. I say, of course I don't. Number one, we don't sit around and try to predict the market. Okay? We don't. We don't. We don't think that's there's any, any reason to spend time doing that. In fact, it's anti what you should do because what you're doing is instead of letting things transpire into the future and then react to what's going on you make predictions that may freeze you in place when it's time to act it may cause you to not act when you should be this doesn't make any sense so when we're sitting around making predictions that the market's going to go up or down then we also sometimes even get entrenched in our viewpoint right it's like the market's been rising uh, all of last year, let's use it as an example. So 23 is a great year, and the market's going up. And then it has a correction, like it does every year, basically. But it has a correction in the middle of the year. It gives up almost all its gains. And then it starts back up. And we finish the year with a fantastic year, absolutely fantastic. What if you had decided at the beginning of the year that it was going to be a bad year, and then you get, just got more and more entrenched in that? You wouldn't be investing, like when the market was correcting you'd have been frozen on the side knowing you were ah, finally i'm right i'm vindicated i'm right i knew what the future was going to be and it was going to be bad so 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 we get in this circumstance where we are trying to think too much way too much and instead of doing that why don't we react to what's on the ground and teaching that to our new advisors is very difficult because everybody thinks they're smart I'm, and i mean that i don't mean I'm not putting them down i'm just saying they think they're smart. They came out of school. They have a degree to prove how smart they are. And now we're telling them, then quit predicting the future. That will make you even more smart. Huh? But that's what they do on Wall Street. And that is what they do on Wall Street. They absolutely do that. And I think it's an interesting point. Jennifer made this point. Jennifer Stone made this point that it's something that people seem to need. Because we get... I don't understand how we can have radio show, Zoom meetings, podcasts, um, constantly talking to people and saying what? 
don't predict. We don't predict. We don't have a market outlook. Just let the ground conditions tell you what's going on. If we're at all-time highs, then make sure you've got what you need out of the market over the next couple of years. Have it out. That's it. That's reacting. That's not predicting we're going to have a bad market at all. It's simply saying we don't know what the future is going to be. So therefore, if we're getting good prices today, let's take what I need out. Not all, a little. That's it. That's the conditions that we're looking at. We're not trying to predict. And it's hard to believe, but guess what my most common question is? What do you think the market's going to do, right? And, 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 and of course, you, you already know that because that's what we're all asking. And what I'm saying is instead of asking that question, which we all know the answer is that Wall Street's wrong literally more than they're right, okay? That's, like, incredible, really, so why are we listening? Why are people like Harry Dent still around? Okay, I mean, it's just because people are paying for bad advice. Because people seem to cling to this idea that I have to predict the future, that that's how I'm going to have good investment results or stay out of the market at the right time. I'm going to miss a market correction or like they say, crash, because that's all negative all the time. And instead of thinking and just stopping and going, hmm, you know, this guy's been wrong a long time. Why am I listening, right? Why do I listen to Jim Cramer go, I'm a bull, I'm a bear, I'm a bull, I'm a bear, I'm a bear. I, uh, nothing good's ever going to happen. Oh, why do I listen to that? It's noise, and it's never consistent, and it's never a positive thing for you to be putting in your brain. It is anti-thinking. It's reactionary. It's emotion. It's raw emotion. I don't know of anybody, famous, any famous investor that's more emotional than he is, for example. Okay, and this isn't a show about putting down uh, investment advisors. It's just that those are investment people on Wall Street. But the point here is that we need to understand that they're wrong most all of the time. And that being the case, why are we listening? Why are we clouding our heads? It takes, if you will, some wisdom to step back and quit filling your mind full of noise. So when we're taught certain things, that's fine. But I think at some point in time, our experience, the life around us, taking a moment to take a deep breath and think, leads us to realize that we actually do need to think and think about what we're looking at, not just predicting. And when Wall Street comes out and the Goldman Sachs and JP Morgans and the UBSs and all of the companies, the Morgan Stanleys and so on and so forth, all do what? Including Schwab, our clearing firm. They all tell you what their 2024 outlook is going to be. And you know how many of those we read? One. One and one only. Because it's very general information. It's not trying to do anything that is like, this is why you need to stay out of the market. We read one. And you can't help but hear some of the others which you hear me make fun of, because they're all like the same. They're all the same. Pointless, same. We think interest rates are going to do this. We think corporate earnings are going to do that. Therefore, what? Own the same stocks you've owned? Yep. Wait for the next market correction to add more? Yep. 
maybe move to some bonds uh, for money or, or fixed income, money markets, whatever, for money you're going to need over the next couple of years because actually you opened up your statement and went, wow, that looks pretty good. Good. Let's go ahead and sell some stuff when it's high because I need the money. Does that say, let's sell some stuff high because I'm predicting it's going to go down? Not at all. It says I'm going to need the money. End of story. I need the money. Therefore, I should probably take advantage of the fact that it's up. Is not a predictive statement at all. You know for a fact you're going to need that money. Take it out at a good time. That's all that says. So how do we think? Well, i got to take a quick break. So I'll think about that during our break to what to tell you about how we learn to think. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome back. You know, I, I, I kind of left, left it there, how to think. And this is probably the hardest thing to do. I don't know. I don't know how to make people think. So all I can do is tell you, uh, I guess, how we kind of, kind of think about it and, 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 and force ourselves into a thinking situation. And it's not like we have us laid out. There's different ways to think about it. But I've given this example before where I thought the market was really crappy, and, and it was, and um, it was down, and I mumbled about how it could, it's probably going to crash, and then I find myself on a Friday night remembering as the market went up 600 points on Thursday and another over 400 points for a 1,000-plus point gain in two days when I thought the market was going to crash. Now, we didn't do anything because... We don't do anything. We don't react to, rah, 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 you know, this looks bad. You know, we don't, we don't do that. We're, we're professional, so, so we don't do that. I know people do. We don't because we've trained ourselves not to. But what it does is then I jump up and I come to you and, and, I, and I want to do it the very next day because this is a Friday. So in the, the next Saturday, I write on a piece of paper to share that story with you. Why? To again ingrain in my brain, our brains here at the office, we don't know. And that's how you force yourself to think, is to, if you will, say, this is where I was thinking and I was wrong. This is why we take a step back and say, you got to shut down that part that says you can predict things you can't. So where do you go with that? That's just one little trick we have, is remind ourselves consistently. The second one, I get the advantage of doing this radio show. So I get to talk about this all the time. And that makes me think. So what I can say to you, though, is this. Turn off the noise. You can't think with noise, right? It's like your brain is only going to be able to wire into one thing at a time and do it well. I don't care how much you think you multitask. You do multiple things poorly, right? That's what people do. And I know, I know, because Jennifer's over there across the room shaking her head at me. Not me, not me, okay? But if you're really trying to think, that's one thing you want to really focus on, not think you're multitasking. And the way to think is to slow down. There's nobody thinks that you can think on the fly. You know, I talk about that, maybe even walking down a fairway in golf, and you're, all you're thinking about is your next shot or how beautiful the day is. That's slowing down. That's slowing down. Having the news on in the background or a TV screen or CNBC yakking at you is not thinking. It's not thinking at all. Turn it off. Think. Read the Wall Street Journal. 
that is full of thoughtful comments. Not all of them. They're headline people too. If it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. We all think that. It's all true. I make fun of their headlines as well as anybody else's. But there's deep thought in there in the opinion pages. There, it's not going to tell you what the market's going to do. But there's a lot of thought about what's going on in the world, both of politics, business, finance, everything. And the, the, that's what I suggest. But you also need to stop and you need to read or listen to books. They cause your brain to be in a different place. They just work. Other podcasts you can listen to, we do too, just to get data points and make us think. Because you're listening to something, and it's maybe is kind of contrary to what you're thinking, or you just learned something, fires up something in your brains. But once again, if you're multitasking, that's fine if you're like working out. But it's not fine to be having one ear on one thing and one on another. It just isn't going to work. It's not going to work. Your brain won't do it. It won't think. It'll just digest information, data, and not think. The final thing I'm going to add to this is we don't question just to be ornery when people come in. But if somebody comes in and says, we need to do bonds, why? When interest rates are at 1.5%, why? Well, you need to you know, balance a portfolio, why? If that doesn't work, tell me why. You question it, not to be ornery. You question it. And by that whole questioning process, you're thinking you're thinking deeply with that other person. And once in a while, you find a person who goes, you know, you have a point. Let me think about that. And then they have points or thoughts coming back at you that adds to your thinking about it. You're not just trying to force them to think. You are thinking with them. And so as you also find people that are thoughtful, whether it's about your spiritual life, your, your investment life, your, your business life, whatever it is, then you commune with them, and you think. You talk through things. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. We have meetings here at the offices of, Dave, why are we managing this way? We talk about why. This is why. So that the message is the same, number one. Number two, we're all learning and thinking and growing together. That's why. So when we're talking about all this, it's all great. It's groovy for us to be sitting around thinking about, oh, I, I, I read this and I get this and I get that. I understand we're in a position when it comes to the markets and all to know to think better. There's no way you're going to think about or have the access to the managers, the, the, the literature, the, the white papers that we do, okay? And you don't know without 40 years' experience what's garbage and what's, uh, and what's good information. I get that. But you can certainly start by really trusting and thinking about what it is you're hearing. And that doesn't mean the Internet that's trying to sell you stuff. It's the anti-information. It's wrong. And anything that's out there trying to scare you into decisions is undoubtedly wrong. And they're giving you a pitch. With that, I hope you will enjoy the second hour. I know you will enjoy the second hour because... Well, without patting myself on the back too much here, it's a home run. I think you're going to like it and like the stories. There's a lot of lessons in there, and I know we loved bringing them to you. Have a great rest of the day. Hello and welcome, and thank you so much for joining us in our 
you know, podcast edition that we are doing from time to time and where we can just really sit down and I, Jennifer, both of us can kind of talk about some things in more detail and really just, if you will, just kind of share some stories. That's what I want to do today. And I, in the first hour, we talk about, you know, with Kevin, we talk about uh, uh, what's going on locally and what's going on with the economy and, you know, and maybe even some politics. And then we talk about, you know, what happened in the market for the last little bit of that hour. And this one I just kind of want to devote to, I think, an understanding or a thought process that hopefully, hopefully will um, help you think about how you think about money how you can relate to money, how you can relate to thinking about what you want to have happen when you pass away. What do you want to have happen to your money? And, 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 and just sharing stories from us. We're obviously not going to use people's name, names at all. But the struggle that people have, I've been doing this for over 40 years. I've had thousands upon thousands of conversations some of them extremely deep conversations, conversations that are, you know, can be very emotional for people, emotional for me. You know, when you're really talking about people's concerns and listening at a deep level, you really come to understand and feel what they're feeling. And we, hopefully through that process, I think we have, learned a few things and, and, and learned how to help people think through problems. Not pull the nail out of their forehead. If you haven't seen that, you need to look that up on YouTube. It's just hysterical. Nail and nail in the forehead. It'll pop right up. Or stop it. That's another one I can't help to to tell people about. You'll hear me say that once in a while on when I'm just talking about it. You know, it talks about people's behavior. Well, just stop doing that, right? It's Bob Newhart. Stop it. And it's just it's these are funny things that we think about and 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 I'm not trying to solve the problem necessarily with people, but help them to think through why they're feeling that way about giving their estate away. Why, why, why are they feeling that way? So let me, let me kind of start with that one because it just kind of came up this week. And you think about it with a family, whether it's, it's you know, quotes, the perfect family. Everybody gets along and everything's wonderful and everybody is just we're just going to divide it up with the kids even within those types of circumstances there are many where for example I'm thinking of one now where you know what the son has run the farm for his entire life with dad not the other siblings him okay I, I we have another family that pops in my mind she the daughter ran the business for all the years with dad does she have to share that all? What about the business they built? How do we think these things through? What's fair? What's right? Just had this conversation literally before, I mean, five minutes before clicking this microphone on and, and, and deciding to do this with an individual that basically is saying, I want to give this away. I've already designed what I want to do with this. And this is how I want to do this with this property over here. And, and here's the answer. Write down precisely what you want to do. Let's see if we can accomplish that. 
What I'm trying to say is instead of coming at it, what's the best way? Well, we should give one of these away. We should do a charitable remainder trust. We should probably put it over into this kind of a trust. Why? What we want to do is understand first what do we want to accomplish and then can we back into that in the most economically straightforward, best way, most simple way. None of us wants complexity. And when we're thinking these things through, oftentimes we just don't write them down. Do you know we have an attorney who is a client that does not, will not put a beneficiary on his accounts? He's no spring chicken. He's in his 70s now. And he goes, I know, I know, I know. Of course you know. You're an attorney, for gosh sakes. You know what can go wrong with this. You know it won't. But he can't figure out who or what. And so I get, we all have this block, right? And so how do you get over that block? The first block, if you're thinking about what it is you want to do with your money, is two things to remember. A, what do you want? Don't start with the financial part. You know, because everybody, I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want to go to the government. I don't want this. I don't want that. I get, I get that. What do you want? Even if there's only a dollar left after all the taxes, what do you want that to go to? What is your most deepest desire? Well, I don't want the kids to have too much. I want them to have just the right. I want, the, I want this son, that daughter, this whoever. I want them to have the farm. Then that's the plan. And then the rest, are you comfortable? Do we divide it? Do we, how do we do that? Then we figure out how to do that in the simplest, most cost-effective way. And most people don't do that. They think of it, why? Because they think about it economically. Why do they think about it economically? Because that's the easy way. What's the financial way? It's a spreadsheet. It's not the feelings. It's not the desire that this work out. Second point I want to make you can't govern from the grave you can't I know that's what you want to do I do too I don't want them to do silly things I don't want them to give them to charities that I don't support I don't want them I mean some of them I consider literally evil okay you probably do too and you may find the ones I give to evil that's your option I doubt you'd find them evil, but you know, that's a bit much. But um, you get my point. So if I put it into a family trust of some kind, family foundation, are, am I going to, my wish is going to be now and forever? How can I, right? It, I can't govern that. It's not when I'm gone. What if the charities change? What if they do? Here's what I, here's the other thing. They will. New leaders will come. They will feel differently than you do. They may be terrible leaders, and you're still sending them money. We have to, we have to give that up, and that's a hard one, okay? So, and as we get older, we have a tendency to kind of cling to and cling to some of our beliefs and things like that, and, and, and that's fine. But as you're thinking about that, we need to be able to let go. The future is not ours to decide. And... When we're gone, we're gone. And the world will, have, will go on in some form. And it may not be exactly the picture you want. And that child or grandchild might run amok with the money. And you can't do anything about it and you can't own it. You can't own that.
And so those are the two things, really. Let's not overcomplicate, and let's come from the objective, right? The goal in mind. Not, this is the most economically amazing thing you've ever seen. And then back into what will work economically, okay? That's the way to go at this. And secondly, you can't govern from the grave. Most importantly, on all of our stories, then they just go on and on and pile on each other. They all come back to this where you just are fundamentally listening. And it's the toughest decision you make. The easy decisions are spreadsheet decisions. They sound really smart and all that, but they just don't require much emotion and thought. They're just numbers on a page. This is the best way to go. We go that way. Okay? So the, I get it. I know why people come in and go, how much money do I need to retire? I, well, do you, are you ready to retire? Well, no, I mean, can I? That's a spreadsheet question. Are you ready to retire? That is not a spreadsheet question. Who are you? Who, who am I? Who am I if I'm not the financial guy? Who am I if I, I'm not doing a radio show anymore? Who, who, who am I if I'm not managing people's money? Who am I if I'm not talking to people about their estate plan, their, their dreams? Who am I? That's a frightening thought, honestly. One of the reasons I'm still here. I, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, what I was gifted to do. I feel that way. Not every day. Some people drive you crazy, but you, you know what I'm saying. It's all, it always happens, right? But the point is the people's stories, the things you walk through. Let me, let me, let me finish up this segment with, with one that I think everybody can relate with. Because this is an exciting story to me. It's a fun story. It's, a, it's when I got my big break, when I was just so tired, so done. I was 22 years old. And I'd been beating my head against the wall for three years, just barely eking out a living. And, and I mean barely. And, and, it, and it's, it was hard. You know, you just get tired of holes in your shoes, and it's true, holes in your socks and all those things because you're just trying to make sure you've got some food on the table. And that's what this business was to start. And it certainly wasn't in the early 80s when interest rates <laughs> they were at 21.5 in 1980 at one point. My goodness, they were high. It was a difficult time. And so, and, and who's going to give me, any 22-year-old, 20-year-old, 19-year-old, 21-year-old, money, right? It's a different industry now. It's not like that. But it was. And I began to put some money away for us, my family. Because I was telling people, if you save money first, then everything else will fall into place. So you have to save first, not wait for the end of the month, and if you try to save what's left over, there won't be any. But if you pay yourself first, there always is. And boy, was that a lesson, because guess what? It, I, I, I made, I'm not joking, our household made 16000 Fortunately, my wife at the time was um, you know, working part-time, and picked up a, a, a few thousand dollars, uh, you know, like uh, running the till at a gas station. That was how meager it was. But we found a way to pay the bills and pay ourselves $25 a month first. And it sounds crazy, but those of you who have done that, 
you know it becomes a habit that has now led me to great financial independence and it led me to be talking with people with great conviction and in 1984 getting to work with the Sun Valley, Blaine County, school teachers. And now I had 300 different employees I could talk to about investing and saving. It was the break I needed. But I would go in and I would talk about, okay, you know, here's your tax shelter. You need to be putting some money away. They just got a job, especially the new ones were great, but they don't have that much. You know how teachers, the longer they're there and more education is how they get more money. Well, they don't get, in that day, they didn't get hardly anything to start. But we'd go, let's do $25. And then next year they'd get a raise, and I'd come in with this just this little salary deduction card, and I'd go, okay, we get to put some of your salary away, right? I don't know. Come on. Let's take it to $40. How about 40 Okay. And this goes on. And over the years, they're putting away 100 or $150. And here's the point. This is so important. It's not the amount. It's the start. Just start. Just get going. Because, you see, these people started with 25 and they're at 100 150 a month. If they waited till they were at 100 or $150, you are right. They would never start. By starting and then just simply adding to it, it works. And it always works for all people all of the time. The key, and when the key, the key here too is when you're talking with your kids, when you're sharing stories, you talk about just getting started. I mean, I, I'm just going to relate it to this. This is not, I mean, I have plenty of really bad stories, and you know I'm open to share them, but I'm going to tell you what happened in 1999. Okay. In 1999, this is a quick story. I decided I was going to go ahead and run Roby Creek. Well, that's fine. I wasn't particularly overweight or anything like that, but boy, was I out of shape. And I mean out of shape, out of shape, bad out of shape. So I literally get up off the couch and decide I'll go ahead and run up the hill. I thought I was going to die. Now, this is not 13.1 miles, mind you. I couldn't run a mile, and I had three and a half months to get ready for this. That was a wake-up call, but, I, I, but my point was, you don't start running by deciding, I'm not going to do it because I, I'm going to wait until I can do 13 miles. How do you do it? You run 100 yards. You run a half a mile. Then you walk a while. Catch your breath. And then you run another half a mile, catch your breath until you can do a whole mile at once. And then you can do two. We all know that's how you do it. You lose weight a pound at a time. You accumulate wealth over time. And you have to start or you can't do it. Take the first step. And we always can make that roll. All right. Hey, more, we got to take a quick break here. More stories of 40 years coming up. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome back, and thank you again. Hey, I, I talked about this one a couple weeks ago, but it's such a great, I don't know, it's the epitome for us, okay? So I got to tell you a story where this kind of comes from. 
and then I'll then I'll circle it back to Coffee Shop Bob. Okay? And worry worry wart Al, I guess I'm gonna call him because I don't certainly want to pick on him. Both are undoubtedly listening, but Coffee Shop Bob knows who he is and Coffee Shop Bob is happy that we give this example. We can all learn from it, but I got to tell you, there's a, a he's he's gone now. He's been gone for a few years now, but there's this just a mountain of a man. He really was, and um, he was a doctor. He was uh, um, just a great friend and uh, a great client. And I was visiting and playing golf in Palm Springs a number of years ago, and he stopped the cart. And he said, I want to tell you something. This was 2009. I know exactly why and when, because yeah, I visited him in 2008. He wasn't a happy camper. He really wasn't. He was kind of angry at me. It's a true story. I couldn't wait to get home. And um, he says, you know, I was kind of angry with you last year. I'm certainly not anymore, and I didn't really, really wasn't angry at you. But he said, I wanted you to understand something. And I'm like looking around for the next tee shot to be, or, or for a group standing on the tee square, swearing at us. Because I'm telling you, when he says, I got, I got to tell you something, and I got a story to tell you. And this guy is a storyteller. I mean, he was an expert marksman, <laughs> delivered babies and cows. I mean, this guy is just something else. He's just something else. You know, worked for the Board of Education. Just a, just a great guy. And he, he turns around and he says, you know, I want you to understand something. This isn't about you. But I have tried to make all these decisions all my life. I've had the weight of making these decisions. Yeah, and I made a lot of wrong ones. And he's told me a lot of funny stories. He's, it's just funny stories about the, that. And, and, and it really was just when I finally realized that I needed to hand this over to you. You see, it's not about you, he reminds me. <laughs> It's not about you. It's about me getting this burden off my back of worry about making decisions about everything. What am I going to do with my money? What am I going to do about what home I'm going to live in? All of these things and deciding when I should invest, what should I invest in? Real estate, stocks, bonds, at what mix? Well, should I be worried about the end of the world, part four? All of those things. He says, I cannot imagine... You cannot imagine what a lift that was to hand that over to you. And I just wanted you to know that. And I went, wow, that is a great story. It is a great story. And he's right. It's not about me. It was about him. It was about him. It wasn't about me or an advisor figuring out the financial future. It wasn't about finding the best mutual fund, picking the best stock having the best returns. It was about, I'm trying to figure out stuff all my life, and I can't, and I need to let go of that, and taking that burden off. And that's what is just huge around here. We think about that. And that's, and that's to us is the highest, when we've reached our highest usefulness for a client, when they just don't worry. They just don't worry. They don't expect that we know the future. That's absolutely true. But they have quit carrying the burden of what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What should I do? 
Maybe they need to watch more news. Maybe we need to plug in more, get more data, dig a little deeper on the Internet. What about that digital currency? What about that three blood moons? What about all that? And all that stuff just takes up not just file space, but worry is, wow, worry is terrible. It won't help you live a day longer. That's for sure. So when I think about this and that story and I think about all the people and the impact we have with our clients, with a coffee shop Bob who quits worrying about stuff, who, who would have coffee with his buddies every week and, and then talk about why, you know, this politician was going to kill us and that politician was going to kill us and, and, and what are we going to do about the budget deficit? What are we going to do about inflation or whatever the worry of the day is? And then that shared, I don't want to call it shared ignorance, because I, I certainly have done lots of that with my friends, where we all sit around and talk about things we don't know that much about, but w with great certainty, we do. I guess it, that it really is a definition of shared ignorance. We all share it. We're all sure of ourselves. And by sharing it with each other, we look like experts. Well, I think about that a lot with clients, and I think about that whether we have the, the, the widow that doesn't have to worry anymore, that quit worrying, gets rid of that worry, that concern. I remember um, very recently, actually, it's not that long ago when interest rates were zero, right? And I, and I remember, well, she had to take over. She's a widow now, but she had to take over this account from her husband, who had done it for all those years, didn't really know what she was doing, was terrified because, you know, he had Alzheimer's and it, it just couldn't do it anymore, right? So she's taking care of him and worrying about this and afraid she's going to blow it all and lose it all. And a friend pulled her aside and said, come talk to Dave. And so she, she we're having this conversation because she still has to care for her husband. So we're on the phone. And I just got to one point, and I said, here's the deal. I'm not even going to give her a name, okay? So I'm going to call her Ann, okay? Ann, here's the deal. You need to let go of this one way or another. It doesn't have to be us. But what you can't do is sit it in the bank earning nothing and just watch the pile go away. That is going to kill you. It'll drive you crazy. You can't do that. You can worry about markets going up and down, that's a fact of life. But what you can't do is put it in an account and lose sleep night after night knowing it's going away and hoping you and your husband die before it does. That's not a plan that you're living in fear. And it was a tremendous conversation. It has taught me so much. And, and it's just really one of those things where you just go, now, sometimes we just have to do the uncomfortable because the alternative is the impossible to live with. You can't live with it. It doesn't make it a right or wrong decision. It's just like, I can't live with that. You can't live with sitting around and watching your money go to zero. You can't. Nobody can. That's just not a, that's not a plan. That's a surrender. And so as we think about that, whether it's the, 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 the widow that's not having to worry anymore, the, the, the coffee shop talk that just goes away. It's just, it's that whole process, whether with an advisor or with yourself, where you just come to this understanding that we, we don't know the future. We can't let the future 
push us around in the sense that I have to try to guess what's going to happen in the future. I don't. I don't have to guess that at all. I don't know what's going to happen with AI, do you? I, I, I don't. I mean, the, the possibilities are unbelievable and unbelievably scary all at once. Do I have to figure it out to invest, to live my life, to move forward? No, I don't because I can't. And I can't worry about it because, you know, the fact of the matter is this. I also know that my own future destiny, my own end of this life, is only a few spins away for me. I don't have to figure out all the rest of it. I just have to try to figure out me, my life, what I want, what I need, what my family needs. I don't have to figure it all out. And, and I think that the more time we spend worrying, the further from the truth it leads us. It just is. We just got to let that go. Get that burden off your back. Even if you're doing it yourself, figure out a way to get it off your back. And if you're doing it yourself and you can't get it off your back, for your own health, you better do that. You, you've got to let this go because you're not going to figure it out. And um, I, 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 when I, after that conversation, I've shared that story so many times because, you know, that, that, that conversation with Doc was, was amazing, enlightening, very well thought of, thought about, thought of man, yes, but thoughtful. And to stop the cart, because I had to have his story, told the story. Maybe that carried the extra impact that I needed. But it made me really realize years ago that the only real impact that we have is to take the burden away, not to figure out how to get a half a percent more on a money market account. All right, we're going to take a break here for Fox News. We'll be right back. Okay, I got, I've got so many fun stories, but I, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you, you just, I have been so blessed in my life to have met people that took a shine to me, whatever it was, whether it was people who helped me early on when I'm 20 years old and trying to scrape out a living, trusted me and recommended their friends to me and crazy things like that. You know, I've been very fortunate. I've gotten to, you know, meet famous people and play golf and at Augusta national i've gotten to stay there i've gotten to play in shark shootouts i've gotten to do so many things that i couldn't even imagine except for this industry and it led me to some amazing people that said hey you know i like hanging out with that guy let's go do some more of that and that that is just the kind of thing that is amazing to me those are fun stories but i want to share also the stories of of really not about just the ones that are like it's really cool and yeah, you know, for those of you who are golfers, it is really cool to play Augusta. It really, it is all of that. Yeah, it is all of that. It's so amazing. Um, and yeah, the par three is is pretty special too. So anyway, with that, I'll leave it at that. It sounds like I'm bragging and I don't mean to do that. I'm just kind of in this flow of sharing stories and realizing that a 42-year career is actually pretty long, even though it feels like I just started. And, uh, and Jennifer was still this kid. 
um, that basically just answered the phone and, you know, took a few notes and processed paper, which is true. That's how she started. That's how we all start, right? That's how you start. But I want to share some of these because I think some of them have lasting impressions and, 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 and through all of those things that you get to do and you build a career and you share stories with people and, 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 and it comes down to, I kind of want to do this one in, in this segment as kind of some quick hits, okay? So we do some things with dividends and, and, and what led me to thinking about all these other stories in the past was there's this fund. And that was with the shootout. So it's it's a Franklin fund, okay? I just I can say that much, and it's a fund that we have used literally for 42 years, right? I mean, since the beginning, and that fund is is just like predominantly for income. It pays a monthly income, and we we were kind of thinking about this, and it was I believe it was 2008 nine somewhere in there where it's like unless the world ends, this is going to do really well. <laughs> You know, I mean, and if the world ends, I don't care where we put money. You know, build your bunkers, buy your gold. I'm not sure what you're going to use with it, okay? I just don't. I, I don't know how to manage around world-ending things. The whole economy is going to collapse. Okay, what are you going to do about that? Build a bunker, fortress, because people are coming for your stuff if you got it. And so I, I, I don't know what to do with that. And I'm not making fun. I'm just saying I just don't know what to do with it, so I don't deal in that world. So... We got to thinking about it. what happens if we reinvest this monthly dividend when we're down like this? What happens three years later? And since this fund's been around since the 1940s, we had a whole lot of 36-month, month-to-month data. Now, 36-month, well, blah, blah, that's a lot. You know what that's saying? It says every month we roll it forward for three years. And we had them run it when it was down 6%, 7%, 10% an extremely rare occurrence. I think it only happened like three times when we ran it, right? And the numbers were astounding. So astounding that the wholesaler, the guy that, you know, goes around, tries to convince people to sell this fund, ran the numbers. And yeah, we're going to, I'll give them to you here in a minute because it's astounding, okay? Um, they're, they're huge. So we've only had six occurrences of down 10% or more from the high, from the high. And beginning at that point, if you were to reinvest it, that dividend for every month, not put more money in, not put more money in. The average rate of return is 17, actually over, 17% per year compounded. This is, that's ridiculous, the average return. The lowest return was over 8% compounded per year. It's unbelievable how that could be. Even... And so, of course, so what we do now is we took this lesson, and now every time it pulls back 6% or more, we have a 100% success rate of having it grow by a minimum of 8% compounded per year and a maximum of 25% compounded per year, which is ridiculous. Don't ever count on that. That's absurd. Who counts on that? You don't ever count on that. It's ridiculous. No, You're never going to get that. That's not you. You don't get that every year. Not on a fund like this. You get that on high-flying tech stocks, not income funds. What a lesson that was. Dollar-cost averaging lesson of, of just doing something simple like reinvesting the dividend, not adding more money, just reinvest the dividend every month when it is at a low. Now, we just did that because what happened last year was we had a period where, the, where it had actually gone down 6% from its highs. 
Okay, right? We had a little bit of a bear market. And so we let it reinvest. And then at the beginning of this year, it kind of came back. And then just this year, it took a little dip during the middle of the year. Remember that dip in the middle of the year? I know the last three months were so good, nobody remembers that. But we had a good dip. And it dipped down. So we let it reinvest for two months. It increased the income 4.3% for the rest of everybody's life. That's literally an amazing thought. Two dividends increased income 4.3% because they were done at a low point. You get more shares. Each of those shares beginning the next month earns a dividend. It's an amazing thing. Is this going to outperform Google? No. It's another lesson that dollar cost averaging works every single time. It Unless it goes to zero, dollar cost averaging always works. I know. It's so basic. Nobody talks about dollar cost averaging. But I have to because that's what I say. Okay. Number two, a cup of coffee a day. $5 a day. Just get started. You hear me say it. Let's think about that. A cup of coffee a day. For 40 years, you don't do anything. It's $5 a day, $150 a month, $1.1 million. Doing nothing. Thing. Not adding more, not increasing your cup of coffee as you make more money over the years. No. Cup of coffee a day. 1.1 million. And so when I say, just do it, just, just do it. Just get started. If that number's 50 bucks a month, it's 50 bucks. Start. And then next year, make it 60. And so on. Everybody can do it. Everybody can do it. Everyone. And you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to know much about the market. Just let it ride. I want to share a, a, another quick one. And these are the uh, constant stories, right, of staying in. But this is the big one. 2009, the beginning of 2009. Okay? So this story is so grand to me. I hope I don't get emotional. It is so grand. But the world is melting down. And it is. The market could be up 600 points in the morning, and by the close, it's down 700 in the afternoon. And it did that many days. I'm not joking. It's not one day. It happened a lot. It's totally chaotic. It look, it's totally a broken mechanism. And it is frightening for people. So we're doing everything we can to keep people in. Whether it's the widow that comes in with tears in her eyes and she knows who she is. It was a big moment. Just talked about that with her son today. It, it, those are big moments. But I guarantee you that she knows every time she looks at her statements. It wouldn't look like that if she'd have done what every cell in her body told her to do. And that was to panic and sell. She didn't do it. And now has a heck of a nice legacy. Really, because ever since then, we've had zero interest rates. What, what would that have grown to, right? It just had to come back with the markets. We all have story after story after story like that. And the beauty of that is that we all can learn from them. You can't overreact. Emotion doesn't help. It really doesn't. Yeah, it helps in love. I mean, it certainly will help steer that star. That doesn't always work either, now does it, guys? Right? And gals. You know, it, 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 emotion will kill you, though, when it comes to investing. We've all seen the Dalbar studies. I talk about them all the time. Dalbar, whoever puts it out. But the bottom line is, when people miss the best days, they miss them all. They miss all the gains. And the best days 
almost always are right around the worst days. Okay, that story I was going to tell you about. Radio show. It's in the spring of 2009, and the market is insane. And somebody calls, and she is really freaked out. Who isn't? It's nothing, nothing about her. Everyone is. Just expressing what everybody else says. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. Every time I open it up, I am so open up my statements. I'm so upset. So upset. And I just pop off and I go, I pop off. I mean, I just, the answer that pops in my head is a better way of saying it. I didn't pop off. I wasn't angry. I just said, quit looking. Why don't you quit looking? If it makes you feel bad, there's no upside. Let's just quit looking. So she hangs up. A year later, I get a call. And she says, this lady says, uh, you know, I, you won't remember this, but um, a year ago I called in and I was totally upset about the market. My statements, you told me not to look. I looked. I can't believe how much money I have. If you can't do it, put it down. Just put it away. It's okay. It doesn't mean you're putting your head in the sand. It means you already know what's on that paper. You may not know the specifics, but you already know it's bad. So don't open it. Don't look at your accounts every day. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. Don't watch the news every day. It's not healthy. It's just not healthy for us to have a constant stream of bad news. Is bad for us. And you know what it is. And it carries you through periods sometimes like that. That you can just go, I'm just not going to look. We had a saying around here, we'd say, you know, not here, not now, not at these prices. I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm not looking. We're not selling. We're done. There's no point in staring at the market every day and just wondering what I ought to do. What you ought to do is just hang in there and wait for the chaos to stop, and it did. Market ripped higher. It was up 50% in 90 days. Unbelievable gains. This works. We just sometimes have to let it go and shut down the emotions. All right, final breakup coming. We'll be right back for some closing thoughts. Hello, welcome back, and uh, thank you for sharing these stories with me. I appreciate it. It's fun for me and I mean, because they create amazing memories. You can't imagine. I, I think you can. Um, all the people, thoughts, emotions running through my head because it brings you back to those, those all those times if you will right and 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 one of the things that that we're you know that are that's really fun now you know i i think of that as you know when people are coming in and talking about things it's, it's it, oftentimes it's not it might be finance kind of sort of but is doing an estate plan really about finances no it's about your wishes is talking about figuring out how to get that house finances sort of but it's also peace of mind can we do this you know listening and figuring out what people's objectives are that's that's the fun part you know it, it as we as we think about and I'm winding this down obviously I'm certain certainly getting older and I think about this and sharing these stories with people but I also think about all the stories that people had for me that I, I didn't have those stories when you start. I didn't understand compound interest any better than a lot of people do. And believe it or not, we're human beings just like everybody else is out there. I know. 
hard to imagine. We aren't superheroes that um, don't react to market meltdowns in 2008 and 2009 when it was so chaotic that it was flat frightening for everybody. Didn't know it was going to happen. You know, it, it, it may seem that way when you're just plowing forward and doing what you need to do. But that's true of everything, whether it's military, it's anything else. You just do what you need to do. You didn't set out to be like robot man that says, nope, you just have to buy more when prices are down. That's how I feel. And then that you can carry yourself through a day like that. We're, we're all the same. And, and be aware, that's also true out there of advisors. I saw so many advisors. I remember going to a conference and literally listening to somebody, another advisor, right? We played golf that day. Two couples played golf, and we sat down and afterwards, and he said, you know, we took everything out of the market. This was January. No, for, I'm sorry, right around, yeah, it was, no, it was February of 09. Less than two months from the bottom, he'd sold out. And I thought, man, that is a big, potentially business-ending decision. I didn't say anything. It's his call. It's his life. But I thought, wow. Now, this was, this was a, considered to be, quotes, a top performer conference. This wasn't a rookie dude. We all have emotions. We all get there. We all get there. These can be, some of these can be really hard times for all of us. All I know is that what you know. You just can't react. You just do what you have to do. You don't react in fear. You don't react in emotion. That's not helpful. And that leads me to this final thought. When you're thinking this through, don't seek too much information. You know, if you're piloting a plane that's going down, the last thing you need to do is pull out the manual and start digging for information. You can't, you don't have time for that. You have to react and be strong. And, and, and trying to find more and more and more information will not lead you closer to the truth. It leads you further and leads you into confusion. Try to relax. The future is not ours to know. It never has been. I don't think it will be ever at all. Have a great day, and thanks for spending time with us.